0: أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم، بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم، الحمد لله رب العالمين، والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا ونبينا، وحبيب قلوبنا، وشفيع ذنوبنا، وطبيب نفوسنا، أبي القاسم المصطفى محمد، وعلى آله الطيبين الطاهرين، واللعنة الدائمة على أعدائهم أجمعين من الآن إلى قيام يوم الدين، Assalamu alaykum dear brothers and sisters. I hope everyone is doing well inshallah and welcome to another episode of our Tafsir of Durar Kamil podcast. We reached this line in the previous episode where we talked about how Ali ibn Abi Talib now coming closer to the end of the Dua, he asks for more requests, he has more hajat from Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. And amongst them he said this, ya Allah. Make me amongst the closest servants of yours. Make me amongst the best servants of yours. Or if we wanted to translate that line in a more literal fashion, Ya Allah, make me one of those servants of yours who's given a greater portion of your blessings, right? So he's asking Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la to place him amongst his good servants but not just any good servants. He's asking Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la to place him amongst the best of his servants and that's a very important detail. Uh, To keep in mind there and we started talking about how when you go through these lines You find that there is a deliberate effort from Ali ibn Abi Talib To ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for not just being a good person, but being amongst the best of people So he's aiming really high in his dua. So you see this in this first line and then in the next line he says, and amongst the closest of you in terms of their status and their station. لديك, and amongst those who have the closest proximity to you. And then he continues, بذلك, so you see these two, three lines, he's asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be amongst the best servants of God. And we said that there's two points that we have to really shed light on here. The first is how, first of all, we have been encouraged in Islam that we aim high, that we have high and lofty goals for ourselves. And then number two, how that is supposed to manifest itself in our day-to-day du'as. When we ask Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la, there is a big difference between me aiming high and asking Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la for the greatest of things and someone who asks Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala but he asks for you know mundane things he asks for he essentially is setting the bar very very low both of these are points that we find within Islam so as it relates to the first one it's important to remember that this life that we have you know whatever the case may be however long we're going to live for some it might be 30 years or some it might be 40 50 60 70 80 90 if you know I'm assuming if we live very long we're talking about 90 years of age at the age of 90, right, when someone leaves this world, they had 90 years or 70 or 80 years to live their life. And this 70 or 80 years is what, going, what is going to determine what their life is going to be like forever. So the more we think about this, the more you let that sink in, the more essentially it helps with you and I having high and lofty goals in life right? Because if I understand, if this clicks for me, that whatever I do right now, that's what's going to determine my life forever, then I'm going to take this life a lot more seriously than I normally do, right? And I'm going to be willing to sacrifice a whole lot more if I understand and it really clicks for me, the fact that this life is going to determine what, you know, my life forever is going to be like. And that's what you find in the verses of the Quran. In the verses of the Quran, we're taught that when you set the bar, you're supposed to set the bar high. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and this is from Suratul Mulk, verse number twenty to number number two, he says, Tabarak mulku ala hayat liyablūwakum ayyukum ahsanu He's the one who's created life and death to test you all to see who is going to be the best. Normally, we would assume Allah subhanahu Wa ta'ala would say that He has created life and death, He's put you into this world to see who's going to be good, who's going to be bad, right? But that's not what the verse is saying. The verse is saying we are testing you to see who's going to be the best. In other words, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to see who's going to aim high and who's going to work for it. It's not just about aiming. Aim, aiming is not a difficult thing to do. It's about, of course, matching it with the work that you have to put in. But, you know, the, it starts with the aiming, though. So he's saying, we wanted to see who wanted, who is going to aim high, who is going to be the best of the best, and then who is going to be the best, and then who is going to be a little, you know, not as good maybe, all the way till, yes, there are those who are just going to be bad. You know, there are those who are just going to be enter into hellfire. If you want to think about it as an analogy, if you set up a race... Right. If you set up a running race and you say, okay, we're going to have this race, the main point of this race is to see who's going to be the fastest. Right. You want to reward the best of the runners. But yes, there are going to be in the midst of this race, there is going to be someone who's going to cheat and is going to get caught and is going to get disqualified. But that's not why you set up the race, though right when you were setting up the race that wasn't your goal even though based on the rules if someone does that they are disqualified right even if even though you know that some people will end up doing that that's not why you set up the race you don't build a university or a school to see who is going to you know who's going to flunk or flunk out essentially or is going to not be able to continue with the studies That's not why you set up the school. You set up the school to see, you know, who's going to have the most knowledge and who's going to have a little less and a little less to see how people are going to rank, right, in terms of the knowledge and who can learn more. That's why you set up the school. Now, some people, yes, they'll cheat on the test and then they'll get caught and they'll be disqualified. They will get no degree for all the work that they've done. Right, But that's not why you set up the school So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying We set up this world to see who was going to have the highest of goals Who's going to be the best of the best That was the point mainly Yes, there are people who are going to fail But that's not why we set up things Now this is is an important principle in Islam That if I am a mu'min, if I'm a believer And if I'm a follower of the school of thought of the Ahlul Bayt Then I have to aim high How many ahadith do we have from the Ahlul Bayt particularly? Imam al-Sadiq Salawatullahi alayhi, in which they talk about how our mu'minun are the type of people that you will never our you know by mu'minun I'm referring to their Shia, our Shia, our followers are those who you will never come across anyone who has more taqwa than them. They're the ones who aim very, very high. They have very lofty spiritual goals for themselves. And then you take this, you also apply it to our professional lives as well. That's also something that in Islam is highly recommended. That I take these high aspirations and I set high goals for myself because in the life of a believer, in the life of a mu'min, and particularly in the in the life of a follower of the Ahlu'l Bayt, your professional life, as you're going through your you know your success in your professional life, your idea is that you're going to use that to serve Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. So it becomes part of your spiritual life as well, right? If you do it properly. And now if that is part of my spiritual life as well, so I have to have high goals for that as well. Why am I going to go through school? Why am I going to go through my career and have a mediocre career when I have the opportunity to grow professionally and to serve my community and to, to help those who are in need and to help those who are more who might be less fortunate than me? Right? Why do I want to take away from my ability to do all of those things? So if I'm a believer, if I'm a follower of the Ahlul Bayt, those high aspirations should also trickle down to my professional life as well. And this is a problem that we have unfortunately in our communities, that we have those who when it comes to their spiritual life, there is very little importance given to their spiritual life and when you look at their life the only thing that matters unfortunately is the, what where they stand from a professional perspective right they're willing to delay their lives for 20 30 years right and not not start a family for example even though at times it is obligatory for them even though at times they they have to do that but they won't do that why because the number one goal is their career and that's the only thing that matters unfortunately Right? That's one extreme we have. And then you have the other extreme where we have individuals who their spiritual life seems to be going very well. right? They give a lot of importance to it, but this doesn't trickle down into their professional life. And so when they need to be there for their community, when they need to be able to be productive and to help out the community, they don't have the resources to do that. Why? Because this person didn't give any importance to his professional life. He assumed that the Ahlul Bayt only cared about him, for example, remembering them. He, only, he thought that the Ahlul Bayt only cared about him you know, uh, mentioning their names and, 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 and honoring them and respecting them. But then when it comes to him actually doing something to uplift the Shia community or the Muslim community at whole, this person all of a sudden is lacking. And now, instead of being a resource to the community, he is now someone in the community that others have to spend resources on, right? And now others have to help and try to give him, you know, a, a type of situation where he can uplift himself, even. So then we have both of these extremes. In Islam, we are taught to have high aspirations, to have high goals. If you are a follower of the Ahlul Bayt and you do things properly, why is it that you think or assume that others should be ahead of you in your career? You know, you're supposed to be amongst the most successful in your career. Now, of course, we don't always control results. Results is not always in our hands, but the effort has to be there. You put in that effort right, to be the best at what you do this beautiful hadith from the Prophet ﷺ, when they brought this companion of his to place him inside of the grave. His name was Sa'ad ibn Ma'ad. They brought Sa'ad ibn Ma'ad to put him inside of the grave. And the Prophet went looked at the grave. He said, this grave is too dirty. And so he went inside and he cleaned the grave and he smoothened you know, the sides of the grave, removed the rocks and the stones. Then he came out and they put the body inside. And he turned to his companions and said, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, why does our Prophet give so much importance to a grave that's going to fall apart, that's going to have a dead body in it? And the Prophet said, this is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves it. When a believer does something and he does it in a flawless manner, right? He fulfills it in a flawless manner. Whatever it is that he's doing, whatever it is that he's touching, He does it in the best of ways. And this is essentially the concept of professionalism. It's a concept that is definitely there in Islam. And and I've had lectures on it as well. But unfortunately, in our cultures, in our practices, I don't know why there is this sense that if you're a Muslim, then yeah, your, your career doesn't really matter. Whether you do things properly or not doesn't matter. Whether you put in the proper effort or not doesn't matter. None of this stuff matters all of a sudden. And this is not what the Ahlul Bayt wanted for us. So we are to have high aspirations in our spiritual lives, in our personal lives, as well as our professional lives as well. In every aspect a believer he aims high because he knows he's given his 50-60 years to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in different forms and in different ways and that's it. This is a golden opportunity that has been given to him. He feels a sense of urgency to make the best of what he has for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala right these are all teachings and tenets within Islam and then this sense of aiming high and having high aspirations this is something that also will start to show itself and manifest itself in the requests that someone has in the du'as that someone has right in the way he asks Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for different things So when you look at the verses of the quran this is from surah al-furqan allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking about his special servants and when they pray he's quoting their prayer but when they pray they pray and they aim very high verses 73 and 74 from surah al-furqan our servants are those who when they hear our signs they come across our signs they don't just fall to such that they actually contemplate, right? They actually think about what's said, right? They can't—they understand the sign, okay? Then verse seventy-four says, says this: "وَالَّذِينَ يَقُولُونَ رَبَّنَا هَبْلَنَا مِنْ أَزْوَاجِنَا From our family members, our children, in our spices, our spouses, make them amongst those who essentially bring happiness to us when we see them, right? Make them a sense of joy for us. وَجَعَلْنَا Lil Muttaqina And make us the leaders of the God weary. Make us the leaders of those who do good, of the righteous. They don't ask to be amongst the righteous. They say we want to be amongst the foremost. When they say Imama, they want to be, you know, amongst the leaders, it doesn't mean that they want to like lead and they want that position. It means that they want to be amongst the foremost of the believers though amongst the foremost of the righteous that's aiming high that's a high aspiration and it's really not an easy thing to do right because now you have to you have to match this dua with the action that it requires to make it happen but you find that this is something that they pay attention to this is something that they try to make it happen right so they're aiming high and then in hadith we read this beautiful hadith and it's a very I when I read this hadith I, I truly connected with it because it's a hadith from the life of the prophet this is Imam al-Baqir he is narrating this hadith as it relates to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and this is in al-Kafi he says that the prophet before he became a prophet of course we know that he was busy and he used to do his business right He used to come and go and he was essentially he used to work for merchants and amongst them was Khadijah of course and he says that as he used to come and go Taif which is a city close to Mecca was one of those places where the prophet used to stop by and when he used to stop by there there was a person there who had opened his house to to the prophet and the prophet used to stay at his ranch or you know in, in, in that area that he had right not necessarily in the house but uh, essentially on his property he would rest there and maybe get some water And as he was moving on between Mecca and other cities so the hadith says that this person, because he was kind to the Prophet after Prophet Muhammad was chosen as a Prophet and after he became you know, this person who everybody in the Arabian Peninsula now knew as Muhammad the Prophet people came to this man who used to host the Prophet and they told him, listen, the person that you used to host and used to help him out, he's become a prophet now and he's become the leader of the Arabian Peninsula. And you know, maybe you should go and ask him for a favor. Maybe you should go and ask him for things now, you know, you helped him at a time where he didn't have anything. Now he has everything. Now maybe you can go and ask him for things. They say that he came to the prophet and based on the hadith, he asked the prophet, he said, do you know who I am? The prophet said, introduce yourself. He said, I'm the one who opened my property to you when before you were a messenger and you had nowhere to stay I was the one who opened my property to, to you, right? And the Prophet of course honored him and respected him and thanked him and then the Prophet out of you know honoring him and out of thanking him he asked him, he said, what do you want for me to do for you? Right? Um, what is it that you need? He said, you know what I want? I want 200 sheep right, or 200 goats, depending on the hadith. And that's what I want in return. And what did the Prophet do? The Prophet gave him what he wanted and what he asked for. And then he turned to his ashab. This man left. Then the Prophet turned to his ashab. ثُمَّ قَالَ ashabihi مَا كَانَ عَلَى هَذَا الرَّجُلَ أَن يَسْأَلُنِي he said, what would have happened if this man would have asked me the question or asked me the request or had a request similar to the request of the old lady of Bani Israel. There was an old lady who asked you know, Musa for something. I wish this man had asked me something like that. I wish he had asked for something like that. And the companions of the Prophet were around him. They said, Ya who is this old lady you are speaking about, and what did she ask of Musa السلام, that you say I wish this man had asked me something like that? The Prophet started to explain. He said Musa salam was given this task. He was given this responsibility to do something with the, uh, with the essentially the, uh, the body of Yusuf salam, with the grave of Yusuf But in order to do that, he had to find the grave of Yusuf because we know Yusuf he was a prophet generations before Musa was was chosen as a prophet. So Musa starts walking and he's been given this task by Allah subhanahu wa taala. but he has to find the grave of Yusuf He goes to an old man, says, do you know where the grave of Yusuf is? They say, no, we don't know, it's lost now. But if there is anyone who would know, it's this old lady that lives with us, this old lady from Bani Israel. So they say that he went to this old lady and asked this old lady, said, "Did you know? do you know where the grave is? And this old lady said, yes, I do know where it is. And Musa said, well, allow, you know, show us where it is and wherever it is, if you show it to me, then I will grant any request that you have of me. And so they went and as they were going, this old lady turned to Musa and said, you know, any request that I ask you of, you'll grant him? He said, yes, any request. And Musa <laughs> assumed, he said, I'm sure you're going to ask to be a part of those who go into heaven, so I'll grant you that. You'll be part of heaven. And as this old lady was walking, she said, no, that's not what I'm asking for. Look at, look at this, this high standard, this, these high aspirations that she had, right? Musa assumed she was going to ask to be part of heaven. She said, no, no, that's not what I'm asking for. Then Musa said, okay, well, what is it? And she showed him the grave of Yusuf said, okay, what is it? What is it that you want? She said, I want to be in heaven, but I want to be in heaven at the same level that you're at. I want to be with you in heaven. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told Musa that you can grant her that request. Now, of course, it shows that she must have had the type of actions that would match that type of aspiration. But the Prophet then turned to his companions. He said, I wish this man who had come to ask me of anything, he could have asked me for anything. I wish he had high aspirations, that he had asked me for something as great as that. Instead of some sheep and some goats and some cattle, I wish he had asked me and he had those high aspirations. And this is a lesson for us, brothers and sisters, to understand that this life we've been given is an opportunity that we have to aim very high and really make the best of it, inshallah. And the next episode will continue uh, with the lines of du'a kumil. Until then, keep us in your du'as. Wassalamu alaikum wa barakatuh.